classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're adding to your reading lists with nonfiction reads that are love letters to books. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I am okay. I mean, (laughs) to timestamp this episode, we are recording on Friday, January 8th. Is it Mm -hmm. the 8th? And things are tough right now in the U.S., I haven't really been reading much. I had forgotten what it was like to be doom scrolling through Twitter constantly. And then Mm -hmm. this week, I was reminded what that feels like. It's really nice self-care to be able to talk about books with you. So I am looking forward to that. I really needed this this week. I am so glad. to have have this outlet and to be able to have these scheduled conversations with you that still just feel like having tea with a friend. But yeah, this week, I mean, it's definitely taking a toll on me. It is scary to witness basically in real time a white supremacist attack on the capital mm-hmm. of the United States. I want to be really clear about what yeah, it was. Yeah. And lots of grief and trauma going on. I haven't been able to read either. Last night, Curtis said, it is finally time to get Apple Plus and watch Ted Lasso. (laughs) And we did. And that was the best decision that we made all week. It was the perfect distraction. So if you are not reading, but you need some TV to help you cope, highly recommend Ted Lasso. It is magical. At one point in the show, he gifts all of his soccer players books in their lockers. And it's so pure and beautiful. I love it. So that's what I've been doing when I'm not doom scrolling, not reading, yeah. watching TV. Yeah. It's it's been scary, at, like you said, and distractions are are great. Also, I know we both and our show is committed to tackling and confronting white supremacy and anti-Semitism head on and using books as a vehicle to get into that. And Those aren't necessarily the books we are talking about in today's episode, but we do want to reiterate our our commitment to that and our show's commitment to that and um, hoping to to be with you all this year as we all become better people and readers together. Absolutely. All right, let's shift over to some comfort reading and some self-care. Joy is also important in this moment, and this episode is full of bookish joy. We are talking about nonfiction books that are basically love letters to books. They are about books and readers and writers and loving books and making books a part of your life. And this is following closely on the heels of our episode on 84 Charing Cross Road by Helene Hanth, which is maybe the ultimate love letter to books. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I am so excited about this episode. It is so joy-filled and joyful. And we have this document in front of us where we have been adding books about books and books that we think of as love letters to books <laughs> all week. And 
Chelsea, you texted me this morning and said, maybe we should just do the nonfiction in today's episode because this document, listeners, I kid you not, is pages long. So we will be back with episodes, TBR toppling episodes that are fiction books about books, fiction books set in bookstores, um, books about the power of stories, all of those will come. We're excited to continue this theme throughout the year and offer you some more titles. But today, we didn't realize we were going to want to talk about so many nonfiction books about books. And we have some really exciting things on this list. Yeah. And it won't be a three-hour episode, (laughs) but we will save those hours of content for later. All right, Chelsea, before we get further into this list, how... Do you read books about books a lot? Like are are a lot of these things on our list things that you've read or things that you want to read? What's your um what's your position within this subgenre? <laughs> I would say a lot of the books that we're talking about today have been on my radar for a long time, are on my literal bookshelf but I have not read them because I just feel like I'll get to that someday. Yeah. They're, they're books that are almost timeless Mm -hmm. because they're about books and reading. They're always going to be comforting. They're always going to make me think I have to be in the right mood to pick them up, but they're, they're just kind of always sitting there. I'll get to them when I get to them. I don't have a sense of urgency about them. So a lot of these are to be read. The ones that I have read, I've loved. So when we were making this list, I was like, oh, I really need to make more of these a priority. I would say more of my reading leans to, I read so many books where the main characters love books and reading Mm -hmm. or their writers or the characters are literary in some way, which also feels like a love letter to books and reading in a different way. But I would say that's more of where I fit into the love letters to books. Nonfiction isn't my go-to genre in general though. Yeah. Yeah. I feel similarly. And, and I'll, I'll mention this when we get to these specific books, but many of these I've read parts of or paged Mm -hmm. through, uh, read snippets of, but haven't, you know, read from beginning to end because I, I feel the same way. Like I really love books about books, but I don't have the sense of urgency. Like I need to read this right now. And it, and they're kind of fun to parcel out. Yeah. A lot of these are collections of essays. So they work well to just read, read a chapter, read an essay, set it down, pick it back up later. Kind of like a collection of short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. All right. So we started with 84 Cheering Crossroad. That episode is on our feed if you want to go back and listen to it. I loved that book. I couldn't believe that it had taken me so long to read it, but I picked it up at the perfect time. I was very happy. And one book that I paired with it that I want to bring up again here is Dear Fahrenheit 451 by Annie Spence. It is a fun collection of letters to books, breakup notes, love letters, sassy, snarky, some endearing. And Annie Spence is a librarian. And so she's just writing these short, fun letters to books. I listened to it on audio, which I loved. I am on record saying I particularly like humor on audio and it was just a really great way to go for this book. So that's Dear Fahrenheit 451 by Annie Spence. 
I love that book. And I'll throw in a book I paired with 84 Charing Cross Road was Ex Libris. We have another Ex Libris on this list, but this is Ex Libris by Mashiko Kakutani, the former New York Times book reviewer. She has this beautiful collection of 100 books to read and reread, I think she calls it. And it's wonderful reviews of works of literature from throughout her career. So there are some older books that she talks about, some newer books, but it's a great book to help you find your next read or also to help you get a little bit deeper into the books that you do read. So that's Ex Libris by Mashiko Kakutani. All right, so those are a couple that we have mentioned on the podcast recently. Let's get into it, though. Okay, I'm going to talk about um, a brand new book that I just read. And this is more of a love letter to short stories than to books, whatever the difference is. (laughs) It is A Swim in a Pond in the Rain by George Saunders. And George Saunders teaches at an MFA program. And one of the classes he teaches is Russian short stories. And it's his favorite class to teach. So he wanted to see if he could package that class in book form. What he does is he talks about kind of the art of writing the short story. And then he gives you examples of, I believe it's seven different Russian short stories, followed by an essay about the short story. And It's really cool because it's really directed towards both writers and readers looking at like how the the writer crafted the story, where the themes are coming into play, when it goes from being just an anecdote to, oh, that's a story, and what the difference is between a story and and just an anecdote. So all of that is really fascinating. The first one in particular just absolutely feels like being in a class because he gives you the story one page at a time and then comments on, okay, here's where we are now. What are you wondering about? What are you feeling? And how did the author make you feel that way? It really is a wonderful way, I think, to become a better reader. Um, I thoroughly, it was super nerdy. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. I'm really excited to read that one. I requested it from Penguin Random House from their little influencer list. And I'm really excited to have it in paper copy. Yes. It looks so good. I, I read the e-galley, and, but I also requested the paper copy because I want to read it and mark it up. And I think it'd be a really valuable teaching tool as well for, for any teachers out there. All right. I have a collection of essays that I'm rather fond of. I have this book on my shelf and I periodically page through it when I need a little bit of inspiration. It is I'd Rather Be Reading by Anne Bogle. Full disclosure, I work with Anne, but that doesn't (laughs) inhibit this review in any way. All opinions are my own. (laughs) I have been a fan of her writing long before. Um, And this book in particular is just a an earnest and conversational book about loving books and loving to read and being reflective about your reading life. She talks about finding your book twin. She talks about how the books that we read when we're young live on with us and shape us, not just as readers as we get older, but as people. 
and how those characters sort of live on in us as a part of us, which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast here. She talks about book confessions and some of her personal reading habits. This is a book, although, like we said, often we like to just read essays piece by piece. This was a book that I read in one sitting. It's really short. I read in one sitting because I love Anne's voice when she writes. It really does feel like you're just sitting across from a friend having a cup of tea or some coffee and talking about books. And so I absolutely love this collection. I've gifted it many, many times, but I highly recommend it to any reader, particularly those who enjoy reflecting on their reading lives, as we love to do here. So that's (laughs) I'd Rather Be Reading by Anne Bogle. I have another book about Russian literature, which, which is not something Look that I um, <laughs> seek out in my own reading life. So uh, this is pure coincidence that my next book I'm going to talk about is The Possessed by Elif Batuman. Elif Batuman, now she also writes fiction. The Idiot was her debut novel and received a lot of uh, praise and acclaim. But The Possessed is her memoir, and it's about being in a grad school program where she's studying Russian literature. And it's basically a a memoir and essays about the obsessive nature and um, kind of highfalutin academia (laughs) that exists in the realm of Russian lit in particular. And so I think the subtitle for this is like Adventures of Russian Authors and the People Who Study Them or something funny like that. And she talks about kind of her travels abroad to study Russian lit, why she got so obsessed in this pretty dark, heavy literature and the types of people who gravitate towards it. It's really fun and funny. And if you have ever considered graduate school (laughs) for literature, I would recommend reading this because she um, really captures, in my experience, the type of people you meet, the types of conversations you have, for better or worse, um, in in a lit grad school program. So that's The Possessed by Elif Batuman. How do you feel about Russian literature itself compared to reading about other readers reading <laughs> Russian literature? Well, I'm just curious. I really, I do really like, um, I've read more short stories from Russian writers than I have novels. I, I would say the only like great work of Russian literature I've read is Anna Karenina, which I really loved, but I'm not seeking it out (laughs) day to day. I do think there is kind of a atmospheric nature to Russian lit and a, a heaviness and almost a, um, I don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a tone to it, a dark accepting of the hardships of life sort of tone in Russian literature that I do think really attracts a certain type of reader and person. And I think at moments in my life, I've been that person and loved reading those types of stories. And so I like knowing that it's there for me when I'm feeling some, you know, existential malaise. Existential malaise is a good way to put it. (laughs) I did like, I really liked Anna Karenina. Mm -hmm. And I have read Russian plays 
but I haven't made a point to make Russian writing part of my regular regular rotation. So I was just curious, especially since you particularly enjoyed both of these books about Russian lit. Yeah. I also, I just think that there is a real um, craftsmanship that a lot of the Russian writers exhibit and almost um, an adherence to a particular form. And so it lends itself well to the type of analysis that Saunders or Batuman are, are doing in their in their work. So anyways, that's really nerdy, but <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I know that Anna Karenina is on our list to talk about someday. Unfortunately, some of the Russian classics are just so big and chunky, they make for difficult novel pairings books, just because we're reading multiple <laughs> books at a time over here. But short story club. Mm-hmm. Could be fun to read a Russian short story and have that on deck soon. Totally. Okay. Turning back to essay collections. I love my essay collections. <laughs> <laughs> One that has been on my list to read for a while and features some of my favorite authors. So seriously, I don't know why I haven't read this yet, is Well Read Black Girl, which is edited by Glory Edom. And she runs the Well Read Black Girl book club. She's amazing. She edited this collection of essays by Black women writers about books and reading and sort of coming of age with books. This features essays by Jasmine Ward, Jacqueline Woodson, Tyari Jones. I mean, some amazing authors. And I I really need to pick this up. I know that Their eyes were watching. God is mentioned in there. I would love to see what these writers have to say about a book that we've tackled on the podcast. And some other amazing contributors include N.K. Jemisin, Morgan Jerkins. I mean, they're just, this is an all-star writing group here. And so I'm, I'm really excited to pick this up. And I think that a collection of essays from writers who have been really popular in completely different genres. I mean, we have young adult authors, science fiction and fantasy, um, heavy literary fiction. There's such a mix of genres that these authors tackle, and they're so diverse in their writing that I think it would be really fun to read about their reading tastes and the books that they love and share in common and just what they were like as young readers. So, Really excited to pick up Well-Read Black Girl at some point. It is definitely on my to-be-read list. I think this next book would be a really good pairing with Well-Read Black Girl. I have high on my TBR, The Dark Fantastic by Ebony Elizabeth Thomas. And the subtitle of The Dark Fantastic is Race and the Imagination from Harry Potter to the Hunger Games. And... I heard about this book from our friend Bezzy, who is on Instagram at being a bookworm, but also co-hosts the podcast Dreaming in the Dark. And they had Ebony Elizabeth Thomas on to talk with them about race in the fantasy realm. And I am not a (laughs) 
maybe just like I'm not a huge Russian lit reader, but I like reading about Russian lit. I'm not a huge fantasy reader, but I like reading about fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) And I am so curious about this book. It's slim and um, I I own it. And she really goes kind of, um, she organizes it in part by idea, but also by series or by books. So she really like does a deep dive into Harry Potter, for example, and the Hunger Games and whatnot. So I I grew up with those books and am really seeing, have seen for a while, but I think as time goes on, it's just in sharper and sharper relief how problematic some of those books are. And not just in terms of well, this is this is actually from from the back of the book that their lack of representation is also a problem because it's a lack of imagination on these authors' parts. And so I really am interested to read about how Thomas examines that as both important because of representation, but also important because of how we need more imagination in what we consider to be good stories and what we consider to be um, the world of fantasy. So I highly recommend listening to the podcast episode of Dreaming in the Dark with Ebony Elizabeth Thomas. And then I am really looking forward to reading The Dark Fantastic this year. That's an excellent pairing. I am looking forward to that as well because Bezzy's book recommendations are always winners for me. Yep, I agree. (laughs) Okay, I have another book here that I can't believe I haven't read because it truly ticks all of my nonfiction boxes. It's The Library Book by Susan Orlean. Have you read this one? No, but I own it. (laughs) Like we've said about pretty much all of these. (laughs) We'll get to it someday. So The Library Book. This is a work of investigative journalism. Okay, yes. (laughs) It's about libraries awesome. I love libraries. And it sort of goes, zooms in on the 1986 fire at the Los Angeles Public Library and investigates that, but then zooms out to that that event's impact on libraries in general and then the role of libraries in society in general. So I love books that sort of investigate and zoom in on a really specific event or really specific thing and then apply that and sort of zoom out to the broader implications for society. So I truly don't know why I haven't picked up this book yet because all of those things that I mentioned just sound so in my literary wheelhouse. But that's The Library Book by Susan Orlean. If listeners have read that one and feel like they can give us a push or say maybe it maybe it isn't that great. I don't know. Um, but I'd be curious to hear what people think of that one. I really want to read that too. I I love the way that book feels. I don't know if you own it, but it, the textured cover is great on the paperback. Also, Susan Orlean um, had a wonderful wine-induced Twitter commentary fairly recently. <laughs> Oh, I did not know about uh, this. That I just highly recommend. Maybe we'll put a link to it in <laughs> yes. the uh, in the show notes. <laughs> what was it about? It mostly ended up being about how her family was upset with her for drinking too much wine and how she didn't care. She was going to drink as much wine as she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it also involved, I think, visiting a neighbor who owned goats. It was just... Um, 
all over the place. <laughs> oh, that sounds delightful. Yeah, okay, it, def- it was. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely looking that up and putting it in show notes. Perfect. What do you have next on the list for us? Have you read Reading Lolita in Tehran by... Nope. Okay. <laughs> Heard um, of it. On my list of to be read, but... It's by Ajar Nafisi, and um, I have read parts of it, but not the whole thing. And I've read parts of it because I've included um, or read aloud some sections to it to my women in literature class, um, because I think, you know, teaching privileged American students who are like, why do I have to read this book? Why is it important to take an English class. They're just, they're, they can be kind of jaded, understandably so. But mm-hmm. um, this book is about a group of young women who gather together with their teacher, Nafisi, um, the, the writer. This is her memoir, um, to read Western classics that have been banned in Iran. And so many of the books that we read and take for granted, or even some of the books that we would like to see pushed out of the curriculum are seen in a completely different way through Nafisi's lens. So she reads books by Jane Austen and F. Scott Fitzgerald. And of course, they read Lolita by Nabokov. um, And they discuss these Western books in conversation with Islamic morality. um, And the girls or the young women are allowed to be vocal and opinionated for maybe the first time in some of their lives. So it's, it's the parts I've read are, are really great. And I would really like to read the whole thing as soon as possible. Sarah, before we share more of our book recommendations, let's talk about our favorite audiobook subscription service, Libro FM. I love them. (laughs) Yeah, we love them here. And um, they just announced that they are officially now a social purpose corporation, which is really cool. It means that while they're still a for-profit company, they are operating in many ways like nonprofits do, staying committed to certain values and giving back to communities Supporting Libro feels so good. It just feels better and better every day with the decisions they're making. Um, So Chelsea, with your doing good support of Libro FM, what have you been listening to recently? I'm in between audiobooks, but the one that I have downloaded to listen to next is The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, which is a short story collection that you loved. So I'm really excited to listen to it. It's so good. I just finished, I'm in between books too. I just finished Black Buck, which I really enjoyed, particularly on audio. It's got that humor element that we so love in our listens. And next, I think I'm going to pick up The Wife Upstairs, which is that thriller that's kind of loosely based on, or maybe it is just a direct retelling of Jane Eyre. The character's name is Jane. So yeah, I'm really excited. I will also say that I think a lot of the books we're talking about today would be great on audio. I know we both do a lot of our nonfiction reading through Libro FM. 
I've also seen a lot of people sort of posting their New Year's intentions or resolutions for living a more sustainable lifestyle or making more intentional purchases in 2021. And Even though this is audiobooks, I think it totally fits in line with that same urge to be more intentional with your spending, to be more intentional about where you're putting your dollars. Libro FM is just such an excellent company and you're supporting independent bookstores. So if we haven't sold you yet on switching over to Libro FM, consider this another push partly because we just really believe in what they do, but also because we truly love their app and love listening to audiobooks through them. So you, as listeners of Novel Pairings, can get two audiobook credits for the price of one. So that's two audiobooks for $14.99, which is a great deal. You can use them for really long, really expensive audiobooks. So it's Mm -hmm. a really good deal. Go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code Novel Pairings at checkout, or you can use the link in our show notes. Back to book recommendations. I'm excited about this next one because I think that it has a lot in common with I'd Rather Be Reading. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Anne herself has recommended this one before. It is Ex Libris, Confessions of a Common Reader by Anne Fadiman. And this is a collection of essays. I'm just recommending all the essay collections here. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it. I love that format. But this is a collection of essays and they're personal essays, which is perhaps my favorite variety. We've got a mix of witty, and earnest here. And Anne Fadiman basically just goes through things about the reading life, books that she has loved, books that she's been gifted in her life, things about books that she loves, like writing inscriptions in the front of books and sort of the art of how to do that. I think that that's really a really fun essay. And this is one that I've read bits and pieces of, but I haven't read in its entirety. So I'm definitely eager to pick it up, particularly after reminding myself of how much I loved I'd Rather Be Reading and 84 Cheering Cross Road. I think that this would be a good comfort read to pick up next and sort of keep that going. So I think that I'll be looking for this one next time I go to the used bookstore. That is Ex Libris, Confessions of a Common Reader by Anne Fadiman. All right. One of my favorite books about books. I have read this one. It sits on my coffee table and I flip through it frequently. It was a gift from a student, which makes it all the more meaningful, is Bibliophile by Jane Mount. And Jane Mount does darling illustrations of books. You can get prints of her illustrations. You can get them on mugs. I think maybe even puzzles and t-shirts. But of course, for a reader, the best of her products is this book. It is filled with book lists illustrated by Jane. So they have these great stacks and you can see um, all of the different covers. She does some like deep dives into the history of various book covers. So like various covers of Pride and Prejudice, for example, And she also takes you to some bookstores around the country and and illustrates them. And and there are lists and recommendations from other kind of famous readers and writers throughout the book as well, which is delightful. 
And even more exciting is Jane has a new book coming out, I believe later in 2021, that she's co-authoring with Jamise Harper. And Jamise was a guest on Novel Pairings. She runs the Instagram accounts at Spinesvines and at Diverse Spines. And this new book is going to be called Diverse Spines and feature books by primarily women of color. And I am so excited to see the lists and goodies that Jane and Jamise put together for us in Diverse Spines. So that's Bibliophile by Jane Mount and Diverse Spines by Jamise Harper and Jane Mount. I'm so excited for Jamise and so excited to see that beautiful, beautiful book. Me too. Should we co-sign this next one? I think that it's sitting, speaking of Libro FM, I'm pretty sure this one is sitting in our Libro FM queues right now. Yes. It is the Toni Morrison Book Club by Judah Bennett, Winifred Brown-Gloud, Cassandra Jackson, and Piper Kendricks Williams. And these authors are a group of friends who have a diverse group of experiences. They have different ethnicities and cultures and sexual identities, and they are friends who came together and said, let's read Toni Morrison's books together and discuss them together and discuss the themes, connect them to current events, and have those conversations amongst our friend group. And they published this group memoir, which I think is such a, isn't that just a beautiful genre or beautiful format, even just to say a group memoir? I love it. And I have been meaning to listen to this one for a long time since we did our beloved episode back in the spring. So this is this episode is really a good push to start picking some of these books up. But I am really looking forward to reading about the impact of their discussions with each other and what they learned from one another and from discussing these books. I really do think that Toni Morrison's work benefits from discussion and from digging deeper. And so I'm just really looking forward to their insights with that one. So the Toni Morrison book club is high on both of our lists. Yeah, absolutely. I really want to listen to that one, both because like you said, the idea of a group memoir is so interesting and hearing, getting to peek inside somebody else's book club sounds great. And I also have found that I really do like books that are love letters to specific books and authors. I know we both really enjoyed Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy by Anne Boyd Rue, which we both read in preparation for our Little Women episode. I read at the very end of 2020, and it snuck its way into my top 10 books of the year. I read my autobiography of Carson McCullers by Jen Shapland this year, which was about Jen Shapland, the author, learning about Carson McCullers' writing and life and McCullers' sexuality and how that influenced Shapland's own views of her identity and sexuality. It also was just a really special sort of glimpse into how formational and transformational specific books and authors can be to the readers who fall in love with them. I think many of us have those books and authors that just, they feel like they're ours. 
And I love how Jen Chaplin shared that with us in my autobiography of Carson McCullers. So I, I just, I love those books that are, that are even more specifically focused in terms of being a love letter to a book or an author. Yeah. And you're getting at what the true magic of these books are, which isn't just that as readers, we like to read books about books, which is partly true, but it's the fact that as incredibly avid readers, we also hold that as part of our identity. And these books show how those important books of our lives and how reading can truly shape us. And that's part of the the love letter aspect of these books. It's so special. Oh, absolutely. I have one last book, and this one comes with a few caveats, so I'm glad that we saved it for the end here. But I started reading a copy from NetGalley the other day, and the first section I was highlighting a ton, and I found it super engaging. And then the next section... I was like, oh my gosh, this is a slog. I don't know that my brain can do this right now. So I don't want to write the book off entirely, but know that this is kind of like a half review. And I think that you have to enjoy academic reading experiences in order to get something out of this book. This is not a, oh, I'm going to read some sweet essays about books, or I'm going to read, you know, this chirpy, witty collection. This is a very erudite, very brainy. I really have to be in the mood for this kind of writing, but it is not quite an essay collection. It's almost like a treatise on books and reading called Books Promiscuously Read, Reading as a Way of Life by Heather Cass White. And let me open my Kindle so that I can get a couple of the passages. So, like I said, this is more of a treatise and more of an examination of the act of reading and what it means rather than like a love letter specifically to books. But some of the ideas that I pulled out of this, I'm going to be thinking about for a really long time, particularly, like I said, just the first section. So, for example, she says that reading without purpose is playful And play is not easy for adults. It induces a perfectly useless concentration that will not make the reader seem or feel productive. There are no prizes for reading, no pay raises for it, no competitive advantage in it. It accomplishes nothing. (laughs) There are so many of these quotes that I saved. Um, This specific one I thought was particularly relevant to what we talk about and what we do here. She says, it may be that the most important function of required reading is to stimulate our resistance to it in the form of reading that is haphazard, spontaneous, whimsical, contrarian. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's right. That's a great line. So it is incredibly dense, but if you're in the right mood for something that's really going to make you think that the writing is academic and... It's going to make you feel scholarly if you read it. Books Promiscuously Read, Reading as a Way of Life, is definitely interesting. Like I said, I made it through the first section and was highlighting a bunch, and then I got to the next one, and I was like, 
oh, I'm just not in the mood for this. It was a very different style from one section to the other. So know that going into it, know that this is not going to be the book for everyone or for every mood. But I have some really fascinating things to talk about in here. And Sarah, I think that you would like this one. Yeah, it sounds like something I would really like. It sounds like it might be an interesting pairing and almost back and forth with the George Saunders book, A Swim Definitely. in the Rain. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will be adding that and many of these others to my TBR. Actually, this really is kind of inspiring to me. I might try to fit at least one of these books into my own January reading. And if that does happen, if if I get to any of these books before or around when this episode airs, I will be sure to share that on our Instagram. And I know, Chelsea, you will do the same if you pick any of these up in the near future. Yeah, my first instinct is to make sure that I have the Toni Morrison book club downloaded. I think that that might be the one that I go for. But if I get the George Saunders book in the mail in time, maybe I'll pick that one up. Do you have one specifically that you're thinking you might go for first? I think I'm going to try to read The Dark Fantastic this month. Listeners, we can't wait to hear what you pick up next. We love to see when you're reading any of our book recommendations. It absolutely makes our day. And if you are loving our recommendations here at Novel Pairings, a great way to support us is to follow us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod. Tag us, post in your stories that you're listening to our podcast, send it to a friend, subscribe to our newsletter at novelpairings.substack.com. And if you really want to go the extra mile for Novel Pairings, go on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Thank you to Michelle Timmons for her assistance and to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we will be back with an episode on There is Confusion by Jesse Redmond Fawcett. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book.